Hello and welcome to another episode of the Art and Science Punks. I am Rob Stenzinger and I am uh, one of the hosts of this uh, this adventure and with me is... I am Kate Stenzinger. Yeah. And actually one of the surprise topics I wanted to talk about was oh, our... Oh, uh, really? <laughs> Fantastic. Um, as a as a as a as a male human feminist, I have uh, I've kind of, I've whiffed it on timing and changing my name and and matching your your name, and it's kind of funny how like you've you've lived out this experiment with having Shield Stenzinger as, right. as like this big, big long doesn't fit on name. anything name yeah yeah, and I I don't know I, it just I. In, in I've nutshell, recently, what? I've mm-hmm. recently tired of the big long name, of um, like literally. I mean, you have to think of day to day, right? So I work in a a corporate environment, and to get on a call, and you know who's on the call, Kate Shield Stensinger takes a little more time than you know. Jim's here, Bob Smith. Mm-hmm. Yeah, hi, good morning, Kate Shield Stensinger joining. <laughs> And I'm just tired of it. I'm tired of the really long name. And again, it, it doesn't fit on anything. Um, but neither here nor there. Um, no, it's interesting. I think um, it makes me want to change my name, actually. Does it? It does. I mean, because it, that's that's BS. So that, that we should we should have systems that can adapt. We as people should be able to adapt to our our different cultures and names and all that. You know, have, to to have done, to do it all over again and we've talked a little bit about this. I would have just mm. had us each keep our own names mm. as opposed to kind of just adding. Cause we didn't need that extra piece or extra step. Mm-hmm. Um, but if I go back to Kate Shields now, everyone's going to think that you left my dumb ass and <laughs> <laughs> fun. I have to bleep now. Thank you. I know. Sorry. Um, so, uh, no, it's, uh, that's silly, obviously. No, but, I'm totally um, joking. But I mean, and that is, I mean, it's it's culture. And then the other piece is, and this is a real thing. And um, I appreciate your feminism, feminism, um, humanity um, for thinking about it and caring about it. But the other, I think, practical piece of it is, our children have your last name. And so mm-hmm. to go back to my maiden name. Um, does make me feel a little odd man out mm. and um you know they have my main name it's as weird. their middle it's, name right it so it's a, in there but it's a challenging tra- tradition thing that we've woven into um the a structural societal kind of uh convention that there are a lot of assumptions like the things you're 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 descri- describing about it are are things that everyone might assume and I, I feel that that's a changeable thing. And it's just that, um, you know, it doesn't change unless we, we do something. So I don't know. I agree. And I think that there's, um, there's, there's messages and there are things, there are things to think about, but I also feel like this is a, a personal choice, a personal decision. And mm-hmm. by personal, I don't be, mean me by myself. I mean, for you and I to make as a couple, mm-hmm. um, the same way we approached marriage in general. I mean, if you remember way back when our whole thing is, you know, we had been together for a while and, um, we were getting married, but we had already, well, this isn't going to 
we had we were already lived together and we already bought a home together. Mm-hmm. And when we decided to get married, our whole um, mantra or the thing that we talked about most often was, you know, nothing changes. This this isn't about anything being different. It's about having a celebration of what we already have. Mm-hmm. And so I think for us, the name piece, um, it doesn't have to have a big political meaning or a political stance. I think there are other um, issues, uh, feminist issues, societal issues that we can um, get involved in or, you know, spend our time kind of thinking about how do we push forward and how do we change? Mm. Um, I don't know. I, and I'm kind of, because you chose to surprise me with this topic, which now that I know that's an option on the podcast, um, I'll be making a little <laughs> list of my own. But, um, you know, I, I think that maybe... I don't know. I think that we understand each other and where we sit on issues of feminism. Uh, right. And so we know we value each other as uh, um, whole beings. Right. And at the, let's see, the, well, there are cons- things that exist in parallel to that. Right. And we, and- we make a concerted effort to have a strong male and strong female um influences in our lives as well as in our children's lives so mm-hmm. you know i mean i think we're doing other things too to kind of um help promote independence um strong will thought mm-hmm. yeah and i suppose the yeah, ability to at least examine a commonly held belief or i don't know the seeming rule so fair enough i guess uh that was uh since the moment came up uh yeah okay kate stenzinger (laughs) that's right that's right i'm kate stenzinger and everybody can just deal with it okay fair (laughs) enough well um i think uh what was uh what was one of the things that you were thinking of covering this week so this week um one of the things i wanted to talk a little bit about is something that's part of your uh other podcast your other life if you will on (laughs) Totally. Every um, podcast is another is another life. Life. Yep. Yeah. Parallel timeline. Um, so on the Lean Into Art um, cast, you and Jersey Drozd have started this month. Um, well, actually, I think this is what the third year. Yeah. The third year of Art Sound Off, and so I wanted to use t- tonight's podcast as my Art Sound Off um, post. And for folks that don't know, um, you can Rob will give all of the URL. Um, in details here in a second, but Art Sound Off is really an opportunity for artists, creative people to take time every single day and reflect and to really make it into a an exercise where you reflect, you do it as an audio post and you get it out there in the world. And it's a, it's a great exercise, I think, for many reasons, but just even the act of doing an audio post and putting it out into the world every day is really good practice. Um, well, what I find, like, if we explore, like, well, well, why might that be a good practice? It's, uh, it's, well, I, I guess it's a mindfulness exercise in disguise. But I think also the practice of just shipping something. It's That's a creative piece, exercise. Also, at least when right? I've started and mm-hmm. okay, we're on day four, so I'm can't really toot my own horn here yet. But when I started, you know, there was so much anxiety and, and nerves for me to actually, record something and put it out there Hmm. um, that I didn't want to promote it when I first did it. I just wanted to just put it out there and, you know, let it sit there quietly. Mm -hmm. Um, 
but I think that was part of the good exercise for me. Hmm. But that, that sounds like it's almost like going out in public just to be alone in a crowd and not, um, not feel anything negative because of that. You're, you're just, sure. you're out there. Yeah. And then when you're ready to, to say, Hey, look at, look what I did. A few people near you notice. Yeah. 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 I wanted to be alone in the crowd, but I did promote it and I did tweet and mm-hmm. talk about it a little bit, blogged about it. Yeah. And so when, when, uh, when folks do that, um, yeah, they share things with, uh, the art sound off hashtag on Twitter. Um, yeah, I, I will go in or, or uh, Jersey Droves will go into to that feed and do some uh, retweeting and sharing and all that kind of stuff. So, I mean, we're we're excited to amplify the signal of, of folks who are doing that kind of practice, which is the the big thing we're, we're in wanting to draw attention to and celebrate where if you're yeah, you're, you're reflecting, you're you're in that process. That's that's like a, a handy learning technique to sort of um reconnect in multiple ways with something that you experienced but then also you're sharing what you're learning also at the same time where other folks who might be going through something similar as far as like what it feels like or the actual details or Mm -hmm. the techniques or anything um you're talking about maybe uh thinking about uh, the structure of a story or how it feels like to draw a particular thing or blogging or whatever it is that you make. So why don't you share the um, website where people can get some information on that? Yeah. So uh, to get more details and if you're like, well, I kind of, I'm curious, I guess what, what these prompts are, all that stuff and uh, tips and techniques as far as getting, getting into it are available at artsoundoff.com. Excellent. So back to what I wanted to talk about tonight. Thank you for sharing that. But back to what I wanted to talk about tonight um, for us and for the art and science punks is I stole the day four prompt from Art Sound Off. And the day four prompt from Art Sound Off is what are you critiquing in your work right now? Um, What kinds of things are you critiquing in your work? So I spent a little time thinking about um, in my art and creative um, and I guess tonight is kind of focused on art and creative more than science, but in my art and creative work, I thought of a couple different areas and, and how I critique, critique my work and where I'm at with some of that. Hmm. That's cool. How do you do that? Mm, really just talk negatively to myself. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. Um, okay. so the two areas that I was thinking through a little bit is the first one is, um, sewing. So I do a lot of sewing as a really creative outlet for myself and, um, I feel that sewing, at least for me, um, is a pr- pretty forgiving art form. Like I can, well, let me clarify. I don't sew clothing, um, which is funny because I'm going to tell a story about sewing clothing. But I don't typically sew <laughs> clothing. So I sew household things, um, maybe doll clothes, right? I do some doll clothes, but pillowcases and, you know, bags, a lot of bags and things for the kids and toys and that kind of stuff. Um, and it's pretty forgiving. Like you can, mm-hmm. you can mess up a bit and it's, it works out. Hmm. Um, that sounds helpful if, uh, if you can, uh, notice something that isn't going right and have a way to adjust. Well, so that's exactly where I was headed. So with that in mind, for me, there's like this kind of, um, I pick a project and I often pick a project that's a little bit beyond my skill set. And so, the, right? Mm-hmm. Um, 
also there's this anxiety that goes along with I'm not going to know how to do this. I'm not going to know how to do this. And so there's a almost a pre-critique that mm. goes along with it. And so mm. I was curious as I was thinking about this is if that happens for you in any of your um, projects that you work on, if there's a pre-critique where you're like, this isn't going to work or this is crazy or I, you know, I'm not going to know how to do this. Um, so that's um, one of the things that happens for me as far as, you know, what am I critiquing in my work right now? I have a project a sewing project where I've cut out, uh, I've probably cut 90% of the pieces out. It's, it's quite a few pieces. And um, there's one particular fabric that's a very mm, soft and uh, cushy, really nice, fun fabric. But every time I cut a piece of it, I'm like, I have no idea how I'm going to sew this. It's, I'm just, it's going to be a mess. It's going to be a giant mess. Because it's really squishy and Yeah, and stretchy. And... It's really squishy and stretchy. It's a minky fabric, and so it's hmm. thick, it's squishy, it's stretchy. It's kind of all the things that are difficult to sew with. So hmm. um, I'm pre-critiquing the fact that it's not going to turn out because of that. Uh, well, the pre- pre-critiquing is uh, something that I, I, I feel... You know, like I, I definitely do that kind of thing, and uh, typically how I frame it or or consider that it, when I notice I'm doing it, it's um, it reminds me of imposter syndrome. Oh sure, and, that makes uh, good sense. Yeah, it's Dunning Kruger effect. So oh, I don't know that one. Dunning Kruger. Um, so what two two um, uh, academic people. psychologists? Uh, <laughs> Yeah, two people. <laughs> two people. Well, Let's yeah, go with people. People who think of things. <laughs> and they thought of this thing where um, sometimes uh, other people that aren't doing the thinking of the thing to make the theory around it, <laughs> um, <clears throat> they they will... Uh, they, so, let's see. So, they, they may think like, I am awesome at this thing. I can manage... Um, not just one people, but five or 10 or 500 people. I'm so awesome at doing this thing. Or, um, you know what? I'm a fantastic um, reader. I can read so good. Whatever they, whatever it is, like they'll have this bubble of assumption and like their own skill and how they relate sure. to it and whatever and, uh, and think like and really over-evaluate their capabilities. There's another um, <clears throat> almost flip side to that where some, some folks who are actually pretty great at a particular thing they've got this skill that somehow they will undervalue and feel that they don't measure up toward what they're comparing to that's really interesting i should i should look up that theory because you find that um in interviewing Mm. when you're working with candidates for open positions Mm -hmm. uh, that's commonly what you find is they fall into one of those two camps people either (laughs) undervalue and you mm-hmm. know kind of under and not not as many people do the undervaluing but there are people that you know i have x amount of ex, you know i have 3 years of experience but i really ought to be your ceo next right so at any rate um i should look into that that's interesting and um so it's easy to how do you do that with your own creative skill to put it in the right spot Uh, let's see. I I'm think there thinking. could be a lot of ways to, to do that. I, um, like one option is to try to b- 
be comfortable with, well, I, I don't know how you can make good observations if you've really got a lot of self-critique noise going on. So for me, it's a matter of just sort of journaling to get the self-critique noise out and move past it to be able to see what's actually happening. Sure. Journaling is always a good, a good level setter, uh, level yeah. set for, I think, a lot of things. Um, with the sewing, for me, I, typically what happens is, is I enjoy it so much, and it's so um, almost therapeutic for me, so that once I get started, um, that fades away. And um, mm. I just am more immersed in the activity and what I'm doing. And then at that point, it's just waiting to see the finished product. And mm. I have this experience, and I'm curious if you have this with some of your creative work as well, where I'm partway through and I don't want to stop because I am so interested to see how it's going to all come together and how it's going to come, how it's going to turn out. Hmm. But it sounds like when you're in that, in that zone, it's not, uh, the something top, it becomes the, I guess the worry and concerns and the, and the critiquing, um, fade feedback. Yeah. It sounds like that, that, that goes away. Yeah. It fades away. Huh. Um, which sounds a lot like, uh, yeah, when you sort of disappear into the task and it's very um, self-rewarding, uh, autotelic, I think. That's a phrase oh, for that. That's another word I don't know. Yeah. I'll make a note. Auto- um, autotelic. Yeah, self-rewarding task. Oh, yeah. I like that. So <clears throat> that's just, so, and then I will say, so just to kind of wrap up my sewing critique piece, the other thing that I do with, um, is once I am finished is I do take time to kind of look at the final product and the finished product and I giggle like a little kid and get excited hmm. and then um, but do think through what would I do differently and oftentimes I'll make notes on a pattern as to what I would do differently next time hmm. that I'm going to do I have a three ring binder that I kind of keep everything in and I'll make a few notes about you know what I would potentially change or a size I would change or something that I would do differently hmm. Um, that sounds a lot like experiments and variables. Right. And yeah, journaling. Yeah. Yeah. Very, so, very much so. Yeah. Science. Science. Oh, we, we did. We had a good job. We worked science uh-huh. in there. Mm-hmm. Um, the other critique that happens for me when I'm sewing, and I know I said earlier I don't sew clothes, but this summer I um, got a burn in my bonnet and sewed two of the darn cutest halter tops you ever did see with layers upon layers upon layers of ruffles. Hmm. Um I mean, just the most ridiculous amount of ruffles you ever could imagine. And the girls, um, when they were almost finished, they were very um, giggly and excited, and they each tried theirs on, and um, they wanted them on for about three seconds, and then they were done. And <laughs> then my um, one of my machines broke, and so I haven't been able to actually kind of do some of the finishing detail work on them. But the kids lost interest very, very quickly, which was another form of critique, I think, is you know your end user, if you will, mm-hmm. or your audience and what mm-hmm. they think. And it's funny because they're cute as they're, you know, these little halter tops are super cute, but they're super impractical. They're nothing either of my children would ever wear, like would ever choose to wear. They're just. You know, we have kids that are out in the world running and jumping, and these are very frou-frou pieces. So yeah, they'll be play. I don't know. If they'll that, be play yeah. pieces, but interesting. Um, so that's the other form hmm. of critique: is end user uh, usability. 
you, you could say usability. You could say product market fit. Um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, because that's a more that's more taste than than usability. Like, sure. Uh, yeah. Uh, style, interests, um, communicating on different levels of like it's not just uh, learnable and functional and approachable. It's more like well, I I identify with this or I don't, or the story I think of when I see this doesn't match. Right. How I feel. Yeah. So that's. Um, yeah, that, that, I mean, I suppose that is critique. It just, yeah, you know, I, I imagine if those things were sitting on a craft table at the right fair at the right time, you know, you would see other audiences um, celebrate those those pieces, right? Well, and I celebrate them. They make yeah. me laugh and they make me smile every time I see them. So, and I will, I'll get that machine fixed and get them finished up. And who knows, next summer, maybe they'll be the, the hot ticket in the house. We'll see how it goes. Uh, the the machine, machine that's broken in particular is a serger, right? Right. Yeah. Interesting. Very good. Yeah. Try to try to pay attention. Um, you do awesome. So, what about you? What what uh, areas are you working on critique right now? Hmm. Critique right now. I have um, I've been in a lot of um, I suppose uh, a, a, having critical examination and uh, getting feedback on things that I'm uh, that I'm that I'm working on. But I've made a few creative commitments that. Uh, my emphasis is mostly on production. Mm, sure, absolutely. You have a busy month. Yeah, and you have a busy quarter. I should actually say. <laughs> well, whatever. I mean, I, I, I think at, at at a certain time in my life, I would look at um, being busy differently than I do now, um, because. Oh yeah, I don't mean busy with like a like uh, like I'm busy out of my way. You right. Know, like I don't have time for that because I'm busy. Implying. That other people, are right? Busy no, and I don't mean it that way. And yeah, no, I don't. I just uh, that's my that's that's the things that come to mind when I hear that though. Yeah. Yeah. Busy, busy. What term do you use? Do you use a different word? Uh I should know this. I, I, I <laughs> so overall, I'm working on uh, just not th- being concerned about that concept. <laughs> <laughs> like busy, it is really just a personal. Um, how do I feel attached to my time and commitments? And it's the old, I don't accept the premise of your question. Yeah. It's it, yeah. Politely. I, I don't accept the premise of <laughs> I'm, I'm busy because we all have the same planet, same time, you know, the, how we, how we divide it up and all that kind of stuff. And it's going to be filled one way or the other. Um, whether that's, uh, commitments to make things or, uh, whatever, you know, personal needs, jobs, doesn't matter. Um, it fills the time. So, um, yeah, but, but as far as like sustaining creative output, um, I, I will try to, uh, for instance, I mean, I, I pull you in frequently as, as like this editorial eye that I find incredibly helpful to get. Um, even if it's just a few minutes of, of perspective outside my own head to, uh, get a, some sort of reaction and an indication of where a thing is going, whether it's like, a, you know, thinking of a, a workshop proposal or a draft of a workshop or whatever. Um, mm-hmm. It's incredibly helpful. So that that's one of the ways where I've used critique to help with um, keeping, keeping a, um, a pretty, um, a, a busy production schedule. You said busy. I did, even though I don't believe in it. <laughs> No, that's not active true. Active production schedule. Active production schedule. Uh, 
Mm, sure. Yeah. I, I mean, it's 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 um it's a series of commitments to make things to serve um, a few different other audiences. Sure. So yeah, I like. Yeah. Um. One of the the let's see, smart. I wanted to to, to mention a, a thing I I've um I started to uh, uh put together this week, and it's uh um it's the smart pie case. Oh yeah, tell us about the smart pie case. Is there apple pie? <laughs> no, they're referring to raspberry pie. Oh, that's, that's math pie. Math pie, not uh, dessert not pie. Not food pie. Nope. Darn it. Yep. I like pie. <laughs> I, pumpkin know, pie who doesn't like pie i made pumpkin pie last week we might have to blog about the pumpkin pie it was good i mean i mean it's um it was really good but it's different than the case tell us about it, the like, i mean raspberry. you pointed out how simple the components were of pumpkin pie <laughs> and so my it is ridiculously easy to make the mysteries of pumpkin pie are less um <laughs> daunting and impressive at the moment yes like, yep pour it in the thing you know, the kids pretty much did it. So yeah, it was good though. It was very, very good. All right. Tell us about the, the yeah, so raspberry, raspberry pie, pie case. Um, so I've got a, a few raspberry pie and uh, uh, one, one of them is uh, a, a pie three that it, uh, I had this connected to the, um, the seven inch standard, um, the official raspberry pie touchscreen. Oh yes. And I'd, I'd been uh, wanting to sort of, you know, carry it around. I want to, you know, commute with it here now and then or whatever, but like, it's a bit of a contraption when it's bolted on the back of the screen. So the Raspberry Pi, if you're wondering what that is, that's a, uh, that's sort of, um, a general purpose computer that is very small. It's about as big as like a cell phone. Right. But it's, um, you know, it's got all the, it's got, you know, chips and connectors and all this kind of stuff sitting there that then you connect like um, um, a micro USB um, to power it. And then uh, you can connect other USB devices to it or ethernet. And it's like this general purpose computer that you can, you know, it'll run an operating system that's sitting on its little micro SD card. And uh, the standard is uh, Raspbian, which actually recently, or Rasp, yeah, Raspbian, which I recently updated to uh, Pixel, which is not the, like the new official and it's pretty awesome. And it, it seems like it's a bit faster and snappier. Oh, wow. I haven't seen um, the pixel load yet. It's a weird name collision because Google is using the word pixel to describe their new phones, right? And so you got Raspberry Pi Pixel, which is probably nowhere near as famous of a pixel of a brand name. But like, anyway, fun collision there. Yeah. Um, is there any association or no? No. No. Not that I know of. Hmm. Well, one of them will probably be changing their name soon. Uh, probably. But... Um, I'm, yeah, I, that's not really, I, I don't have skin in that game other than going like, well, that's kind of weird. But, um, yeah, so I got, uh, so I upgraded the OS and I, and I put this, um, this Raspberry Pi TFT touchscreen thing in, um, in this, this case called the, um, the smart Pi, which, um, it has this kind of this, this base that lets you like sort of, you know, angle, um, it almost becomes like a mini kiosk, right? It's not like a portable. Is that the case that has Legos on it? Yeah. That's cool. It does have uh, the ability to connect Legos, um, the Pi camera. And uh, so far I've, I've been enjoying it. The, the assembly process. I mean, it literally took like maybe 10 minutes. Nice. Um, 
So I, I'm, does it protect? Is it a protective type case? I mean, could you throw it in your backpack? Well, with it's everything just much else? more. Yes, over. Yes and no. I mean, it's not like a protective, like durable. Don't take it hiking. Dirty hiking case, whatever. But like, it's way better than having like um, a circuit board hanging off the back of a screen right. and a bunch of wires sticking out of it. You know, I could I could sell you a case to put around it. That's true. A protective one. Nice. It'd be like a little, uh, sli- <laughs> like a like a slip case. Yeah. Like a like one of those old laptop. Uh, pads that's right. Or... That's right. That's cool. At any rate, so um, it took you about ten minutes to assemble. Mm-hmm. It seems to be working really well. It kind of sits up on its own, so you can. Yeah, I think it makes it uh, a little more usable as uh, because you know because typically you're going to want to have some kind of keyboard either tethered or or wirelessly. Um, I'm using a a Logitech. Um, wireless uh, keyboard mouse combo and it protects the actual cpu the raspberry pi mm. cpu that we described earlier Puts it all in a little protected thing about the size of a phone you know it's, it's a very small little computer yeah. but at least it's not sticking out and hanging off the back of a thing and uh and it's uh it's more usable in this in this situation so so far so good and, um, Excellent. And I just have to point out too, you've done a couple of different, res- you've mentioned earlier, you have a couple of Raspberry Pis around the house and mm-hmm. you've done a few different cases. And I know, um, I think the very first Raspberry Pi case was made out of a cardboard box or a shoe box. Oh, right. Yeah. So we, um, uh, we, we bought a Kano. As, oh, that's uh, the Kano that was in the, yeah. or maybe still is in the cardboard box. Well, we, well, the, we added a screen to the Kano. And so um, about a year and a half, two years ago, there, was, uh, um, there wasn't this uh, Raspberry Pi touchscreen available. But then a, f- you know, a few different uh, um, companies were offering add-on screens mm-hmm. to connect to a Raspberry Pi. And uh, the, the screens are great, but they don't have like a, like a frame and a case. And it's not like a, like a tiny monitor. Right. It's all, just a little screen. Yeah and wires hanging out the back and and um <laughs> little uh extra circuit boards hanging off too uh where there's yeah kind of a little little nest of things that uh it isn't like simply well you could let that lay on a table and and use your computer no problem but it it it's not that aesthetically pleasing or that usable so what we did is is we essentially I envisioned because of Adventure Time and BMO. Oh yeah! I thought we would have ended up painting this little cardboard box that was somewhat BMO shaped, putting some stickers on it. But it just, um, you know, that that was sort of a prompt I had that um, we were working on this. I was working on this with our eldest, and uh, yeah, she didn't she didn't jive with that. So it was just kind of going with the flow, and and, yeah. uh, but what we did is we cut out um, um, a hole in a cardboard box that that let us support the monitor and mount it in there. Then use construction paper to put on the front of it. So it, um, yeah, it was a little uh, little monitor boxy thing. Sure. Yeah. That uh, that actually we we did hide the Kano inside of it as well. Yeah, I remember the the machine was inside too. So, mm-hmm. so but I think this is a kind of cooler case, cooler device, and you mm-hmm. know, a little bit of an upgrade from the other one. Oh, it's a huge upgrade because the and the screen is a touch screen too. So yeah. it's um you don't have to technically have a mouse or what have you. And um, I have actually thought like now what? So this might end up getting incorporated in other other projects. 
and we'll see where that goes. So um, that uh, I think that, that's what we wanted to cover today. Absolutely. In in today's um, you know art and science punks. Yeah, so we have been the art and science punks, um, spending our time reflecting on our latest art, science, tech projects, gadgets, experiments, all that kind of jazz. Mm-hmm. Well, and, uh, and, and in doing that with you, I, I am uh, Rob Stenzinger, and I'm, I can be found at Rob Stenzinger on Twitter. And our podcast, of course, is Art, is, is art Science Punks on Twitter. And I am Kate Stenzinger, and I can be found at Kate Stenzinger on Twitter. All right, catch you next time.